Welcome to 10 Very Big Books. I don't know where this episode's going up. It's somewhere. It's a short, it's a short little mini episode, I suppose. Uh, Someone's listening. Um, uh, I'm Peter, you know that. Um, with me today is Andy Smith. Andy, how you doing? Hello, I now am considered a, uh, a veteran of the show, correct? Veteran of the show, friend of the program. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that's right, we, Andy and I just finished recording our chat on Boeing, Boeing Hunters, Boeing Hunters. Boeing Hunters Boeing is Hunters. a book. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was a good chat. Barely all over the place as those conversations tend we to be. We sometimes talked about Bone Hunters, actually. Sometimes book six got in there. So hopefully this book, this conversation will be a little more focused, but we'll see. Andy, I believe you too received an advanced copy of this book. That is correct. I am one of the chosen. Yeah, so it's funny. Uh, we both received advanced copies. So here we are, our honest review, our God honest thoughts on the book. I actually didn't know I could get one, and I guess I was just planning to read it when Americans were going to read it. But then I was recording Orb Scepter Throne with Iskar, and he told me how he got his. And I was like, oh, fuck. Well, like, I, I, let me get in there, you know? You do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, by the way, I will say, I was the one who told Iskar how to get his. So actually, this is a chain of... So it all trickles down. A chain of being, yeah. So that's right. Today on the show, we're talking about the God is not willing. And I'm going to go ahead and say we're going to spoil it. I think that's the right choice. I think so, too. Yeah, there's not much to say if we're not going to spoil it. Yeah, I guess if you want some not spoiler thoughts, uh, both of us think the book's pretty good and you should get it. If it Listen, which uh, I think is a no brainer. Listen, if you've read those 10 books, you should. You sh- I don't think you should. I don't think there's something essential here, but it's a pretty fun book. And if you were thinking about getting it, it's worth your time. Is my yep. opinion. If you like Malazan, you're going to really like this book. So uh, with that said, now we're going to talk about the book. Uh, the God is not willing. He is not willing indeed. Andy Smith, uh, you said you finished the book about a month ago. What uh, what did you make of the book? What did you walk away? The sequel to The Book of the Fallen, baby. I really liked it. I think my first thought that I think is interesting is that this is definitely Erickson, just like with the uh, Arcanus trilogy, like he's in the same world, but he's doing something different. Um, definitely. He's not writing it like a like a book of the fall and like this is much more kind of like Esselmont esque I guess like it's very focused it's very like there's there's a lot of viewpoints but like they're limited in the sense of like I mean there's not that many viewpoints which I found to be a huge relief especially com- I mean compared <laughs> to the end of Crippled yeah. God which has like got so many fucking viewpoints and mm-hmm. introducing them up to the last second I mean I think if you total all the viewpoints together in the book there's probably like. A, do- a dozen maybe yeah. or like yeah and if you if you throw together all the marines it's it's like less it's like six exactly or- like it's essentially like in my mind there's like four storylines in the book or something you know yeah, it, it's so streamlined and i loved reading erickson in that same way but he also doesn't short shrift his sort of like his stylistic sort of philosophizing like there's still a lot of that especially with the rant storyline i think but there's I a lot of meat that. on the bone I think there's yeah. a lot of meat on the bone. Yeah, and so he doesn't sacrifice one thing while he sort of, like, focuses the other one. Not that I think Malazan is unfocused. I think he's just doing something different, and I really appreciated that. That's the kind of thing I remember um, most about the book, just, like, stylistically. Um, and it's a page-turner. I think more than most of the Malazan Book of the Fallen, minus some of the endings, like, it's a page-turner. Ditto. I mean, I read the book fairly quickly. Um, helps that it's a short book. Yep. Uh, 
like 500 pages or something, which again, I guess, relatively for, short. For Erickson's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right? like, we're jaded at this point. Yeah. Or just, we're, uh, we've adjusted, I suppose. Yep. Absolutely. But, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, generally, I think I finished the book yesterday. Oh, it's fresh for you. This is great. Yeah. I had to read like half the book in one day, which I never prefer. I just prefer to space it out. I think I just digest it better that way. Um, good book. Good book, I would say. <laughs> I, I agree. That's a great conclusion. Uh, honestly, yesterday I was like, how do you know what I'm going to talk about with Andy? I just basically think like, good book, you know? Yep. Nice, I say, well, nice, nice job, Steve. Yeah. So this is interesting because you are like so close to the forest. Like, I'm sure it's hard to like kind of, like you said, like, digest more than that and i'm a little like really far away from the forest where i can't remember the specifics but i will tell you here's like what jumps out at me from this book one i love the rant's mom storyline um and that is that her name yeah yeah Yeah. that she is first of all portrayed as just like obviously horrific person like what she does is terrible to rant um and like her disease is obviously horrible and doing horrible things, but it's I think it's very clearly a a metaphor or at least a veneer of like addiction and what it does to people, and that she is shown in the end to be this uh, this very brave woman for dealing with the addiction and trying to care for those around her as well as she could have in the situation. I think that's a really cool storyline and a, a really unique take. Awesome stuff. Awesome yeah. stuff. The whole storyline with her, and when they're trying, when they're severing the sequence, when they're severing this, the blood oil connection from her is also just an awesome sequence. I know that's like less about her character and her internal struggle, but just like an awesome set piece. One of the best in the book. Yeah, and another great set piece of like, uh, like a good Malazan, right? They're definitely not all good, but like when they're good, they're pretty fucking awesome. And I love that. Like the maid, just like, yeah, let's we're gonna try to do this just because it's the right thing to do. I love Rant being like Carsa energy, but a pacifist <laughs> kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or like, I'm not pacifist because he does fight, but like protectionist, I guess. Like just like completely loyal and like not prideful at all, which is like the exact opposite of the Carsa that we meet in House of Chains and even to a certain point at the end of it. So I think that is fascinating, sort of this anti-Carsa storyline that still like rides the line of Carsa's storyline in many different ways, I think is really, really cool. And the the veneer of like nature fighting back, I think, is also pretty heavy in this book, which I think is very interesting, especially given we're in the midst of the hottest summer on record, at least where I'm at. So I, I that's like the most heavy metaphor. Cold, um, coldest summer for the rest of our lives. So, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, ugh, it's like I almost don't even know where to begin. Um, let me just spit out a few other big picture thoughts I have just to get them off the chest. Um, yep. Man. Good book. Read it really fast. I was so happy that the scope was a lot smaller. I thought you got to know some of the characters so much better. I think you walk away. I walked away having such more intimate experience with people like Rant or Damask or, you know, even the soldiers. I mean, Spindle gets a great part here. I think Stillwater is like Stillwater's instantly a fan favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, just some of this stuff is great. Going up to the Tevlor is all interesting stuff. And I love, it almost reminds me of, Toll of Hounds is a, is a much more, lot going on in that book. But I do love out books where there's two things going on and you're cutting back from this storyline and that storyline and this storyline and that storyline. For the most of this story, it basically cuts back between like what's going on with the Marines and then what's going on with Rand. And basically it's just following these two storylines for most of the book until kind of later on. Mm-hmm. But 
I just think it creates a great sense of pacing, some really good, great, great set pieces near the end of the book. Um, and the whole thing just moves. And I, I often think Erickson is sometimes an author hamstrung by his own sensibilities. And the longer he goes, it actually, he just ends up, in my mind, like kind of trapping himself, you know? Um, so I actually think him writing a shorter book here I just think delivers he delivers so much on these on this on these pages. You yeah. Know? So I, I was really moved by that. And, and I think um, in my mind, the book is almost way better than it has any right to be. You know, I think I think it could be one of my favorite books he's read, you know. So, yeah, no, I completely like I completely agree. Like you I have to like, again, time and kind of wait on it. But like it is so packed full of good stuff without being in any way sloggy it's just it's just really well done i mean it, it's it was surprising to me i didn't know what to expect out of this book it was the first book that i read of erickson that wasn't the the main 10 and it was just as to quote my good friend peter it's a good it's a good book good book i gotta tell you here's here's what i kind of think the book could be terrible you know like <laughs> i'm just saying like do you know it's a really common thing? Authors, like we all know, right? Carcana sells kind of bad. He's going to write this new series, follow up the series that sold better and he's famous for. Like it's about a, a popular character. Do you know what I mean? Like this is sometimes a recipe for like an author writing a bad book. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yep. And especially when it's like, okay, well, you know that series, you know the story that I told and is finished well actually there's another part you haven't heard, quite heard the end of this tale yeah. you know this is all stuff that's recipe for writing an inessential and bad book you know and whilst i don't know if this book is like an essential follow-up i think it's way better than that do you know what i mean yeah. and um i think it's because it's telling a direct story that clearly erickson is very alive in the story he's not phoning it in he's got something he wants to say and he's putting it on the page. And what I love about this is the one of the best parts about this book is the world building and how it follows up and like how it delivers some of the more traditional sequel stuff. You know, like what's going on in the rest of the world? What happened to all the characters we love? You know, we get some answers. You yeah, know? yeah not, there's a little bit of fan service. Not a, not a lot, but there's a little bit. No, but you definitely find out about like, I don't know, there's allusions to what happened to Tabor's legacy, to parents, you know. There's an emperor, not an empress. There's... Sure, sure. You know, th there's this stuff in the background and you learn and it's pretty interesting, but like the book kind of, it's not that invested in it. I think it's 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 like painting it in because it's in the world, and I think Erickson knows people are kind of interested in that stuff. But the book's the book's really doing its own thing. It's kind of just about the Tebler at this other time. It's post this. It's about consequences, and I think thematically there is a connection, and there is kind of a spiritual follow up element. But like the worst the worst idea this book could be is if it was just like, hey, did you wonder what happens after the crippled god? Let me tell you. You know, and that's not this book at all. It's it's really setting a mind and telling a story with interesting and engaging characters. And that's why I walked away pretty hot on the book. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think that's exemplified. And we knew this because, uh, well, we being like the fandom knew this because Erickson told us um, a couple months ago. But like emblematic of that is this the Witness trilogy, but like there's not a single Carsa perspective. Like we hear about him a little bit, but like he's not a character in this book. Uh, he's off in Darushistan in a tent, I think literally. Yeah. Um, so like besides that and a couple cameos, 
all new characters, all new everything. Like it feels like the start of something new and unique. I think the cameos are the most fan servicey feeling thing. You know, like I think the main one is uh, what's his face, the guy from Toll the Hounds, the guy who helps save the kids at the end of Toll the Hounds, and he comes on a, a wagon, but he shows up real quickly and then leaves. Um, I felt like I, I felt like the most fan servicey was when Shadow Throne and Cotillion showed up. Um, just because I feel like they're just such, I don't know. I know they're, it just struck me that way. Or the the Animander Rake stuff. I mean, that was fun, but I, I I don't know. You just picked out one of your favorite parts, though. (laughs) Listen, it is one of my favorite parts. But But, but, a little fan servicey. But it also strikes me as the part that's like the most like play in the hits. You know, it's like, you guys know the Malazan character. I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. But the line of, you know, when he's like, why, why should I do this? It's like, to save a life. And he's like, that's always enough. It's a good part. It's a good part. It, it's good stuff. I really liked it. But it's like, like when Damask shows up, part of, I, like some, I don't feel like, ah, Steve's returning to the old well again. You know? <laughs> yeah. But let's talk about Damask. I feel like the book really, uh, you know, it's funny. Here's what I was thinking about the whole time. <laughs> I'm re- Steve sometimes... You know, he's an active Facebook user, you know. Good so, description, yep. <laughs> what he's known for. <laughs> you know, sometimes I remember during when he was writing this book, he would post things and he'd be like, hey, what's the names of Akarium's Warren? Or he was just asking the fan yeah. base questions about the books, you know. And I remember he was asking questions about Damask and like, who he was, or like, I think he asked where Damask ended up at the end of the series, you know? And I was like, ah, I guess, is he going to be a part of this book? Or, But then I was, I was struck because he's like a major character in the story. Yeah. And I'll be completely honest, did not realize that slide finished, that he was connected to obviously the House of Chains Damask. Like for some reason, I just like didn't put it together in my head. Not no, like not actively at all. In fact, it was it was a conversation with Iskar uh, that like he was like, oh, yeah, what did you think of that? And I was like, oh, my God, I completely missed that. Um, but it still was like super meaningful because they gave you enough that like you understood the character, even if you didn't remember that. So, yeah, there's my admission. Didn't realize it. I just thought Damask was one of the characters I was moved most by in the story. I found his death really sad. Um you're anti-crucifying people on rocks naked. Is that what you're telling me? Good, good character. Good character. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. And like the sins of his past, like being a real thing that that weighed on him um, and like needed some kind of recompense. It's, it's kind of like what we were talking about in our Bone Hunters discussion. Like there's no right answer, right? This is this terrible person that has like caused horrific things, including slavery of like entire villages and yet he is in some ways a changed person and wants to try to make some kind of amends. But in some ways you can't make amends for, for that wrong. And so it's like, what's the right answer here? I think what's interesting, and it's interesting, it, I think it's key that he's in the first book. Because in my mind, we really don't know what this series is, right? But of course, some part of it has essentially to do with Karsa Orlong reckoning with the consequences of his action, you know? And... um Here's Damask, a person who has also done terrible things, you know, and it's kind of a question in a way, I think, Damask, about like, well, is this is this what it looks like? Do you mean like because, you know, Damask takes accountability. He says this like it's not like he's trying to deny what he did and he's like trying to do these things. But 
what does this even out to? You know, what does this mean? And what does his death mean? You know, I think these are questions that are being asked and about how do you overcome the sins of your past? Can you overcome the sins of your past? What does it mean to be held accountable? What does it mean for that to look like? I think all of those questions are being forefronted in his storyline. I'm assuming in a way to, I'm assuming Carson will be met with the consequence of his actions and how he faces them will be a central question in these three books. Yeah, well, because how I just described Damask, we can describe Carson the same way, right? He took actions that led to horrible things, rape, murder, uh, destruction of, of huge amounts of civilization. And yet also he's like a changed person by the end of it and someone that we in general root for. But like, yeah, it's and again, to bring back, we talk about Toll the Hounds all the time. Like, well, I guess that one time we were on a podcast, but like redemption is a key part of that. And uh, like, at least in my view, reading of Toll the Hounds, the point is that redemption is kind of a bullshit concept. You just have to reckon with what you've done and try to do better and learn from that. So yeah, it's going to be interesting how Carsa does deal with those mistakes that are literally now coming for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, which is something I think, as you mentioned, is borne out by other characters in the series. I think the series kind of believes, which I have some feelings on. We don't, I don't know if we need to turn the show about it, that, you know, Damask uh, can, the, the best Damask can do is try and do good in the present and in the future, you know? Yeah. Um, which I think is, mostly true uh if lacks lacking some other context for me but i think um yeah good good guy good character i I really liked his part in the story um let's quick let's quickly touch on rant i think um another i mentioned i think stillwater is a fan instant fan favorite and i think she's an an instant fan favorite and like uh isn't she cool i want to read about her more like i hope she's in a lot of books type of way you know Um, and I think Rant seems to me like an instant fan favorite and like just kind of an iconic character. And like yep. it's he just is the book, steals the show and is the best, probably the best part of the whole book. You know, yeah, I mean, he's what makes it not what you said before. Right. It's definitely not at all phoning it in. Like in the other ways, you could say like, oh, another Marine troop with like I, I, I like, and- 100 percent agree. Like the Marine stuff. You're just like, uh, part of me is like, yeah, okay, okay, you know. It's the Erickson thing. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's good, but it's like the thing. Been there, done that, in a yeah. way. But, but but the Rand character, it's different. It's like, it's some of the themes we've talked about, but like, it is so strong. He's such a great character. It's so profound. It's not pulling punches. And it's completely unpredictable. Um, you know, like how many times have we had characters wandering around without purpose or trying to find some random purpose in the Malazan books? But oftentimes it's like kind of a slow slog and sometimes doesn't go anywhere. But like Rant is like the whole time, every chapter is just fascinating, whether he's stabbing ancient spirits of, uh, of Kachain Shamal or Kachain Naruk, I couldn't remember which one, like into the, the earth or he's, you know, dealing with Tablor or, you know, he's got to fight this guy or, you know, whatever. Like it's, fascinating his character is great i love the simplicity of carsa with like i said like sort of this like goodness inherent goodness that carsa kind of lacks for most of the series I, it just he's a great character it's just a great great story i think he's a fleshed out character kind of doing a coming of age thing but what's great is all of the people he meets be it Teblor, damask 
people in Stillwater. He challenges them, unfortunately, mostly by being. And then they challenge him in return. You know, he is a, a character who grows a lot in the story and it's just fuck, good character. But that, that's part of the book. And it's like you said, in some ways, and this is why I mentioned earlier, I think it's good that the book's somewhat short for Erickson standards. In, in most book, most of the books, I'm used. There's some section or just some part where like some characters just wander around a desert for a while, and you're like, okay, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. And then like you get to them doing something else, you know. Like essentially, there's no essentially every chapter Rant is doing something great. Yep. You know, some of the marine chapters they're kind of just hanging out, and that's fine. Or you know. I, Judith's an awesome. Let's just talk about the Marines now. So we both like Rant. Everyone likes Rant. Everyone likes Rant. I hope no, no one touched, no, no one harmed this boy. You yeah. Know, please. But, you know, also, who knows? That's a tough ask. Anyway, uh, most of the Marines get away f- f- uh, lo- looking out. I think most of, what do you think of the new squads? You know, they're pretty fun, I think, you know? Yeah. Stands no, outs. Same, same kind of thing. Like, they're, they're very fun. It's sort of been done before, but I, I really like it. Um, Stillwater, like you said, I think it's a standout. Especially, Wait, like, her, like, Nightcrawler scene where she's going in and out of the Warrens. So awesome. good. Whenever, when she goes into the Barrow and is grave robbing, so fucking good. So good. Hilarious. Um, I love, I'm forgetting the name now that I'm far away, but what's the name of the mage who accidentally inhales Ototaro dust? Holmes? No. Is that his, I'm forgetting his name, but like, and then he's like super good with the sword anyway, and he gets out of the, the scrape at the end. I really like him. Yeah. So I like, I like the, I like the Tangle Witch stuff with Ohms. I thought that was fun. Who's, who's the commander with the squeaky voice? Gruff. Gruff. Yeah. I should have, I should have remembered that. Gruff is hilarious. I love his like Shakespearean talking. Like that's very fun. Love Gruff. Um, I, uh, part of me. It's kind of a whole can of worms. I don't know if we have time for. I, do you think he's coded to be queer? You know, I feel like he's like, I, I know he's presented as foppish, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. It, it, yeah. Coded is a weird thing because it's quite clear that like queerness is totally fine in this world. Um, I don't know. I, I feel mixed about that, but. Oh, interesting. Okay. Which, yeah, we can deal with that at uh, some other point. That kind of a whole thing. It's a big it? can of worms. It's a big can of worms. I, I, I feel somewhat there's an, some incoherent world building there. Let's just move on. Oh, okay. I kind of want to talk about that more, but you're right. We don't have time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought he was kind uh, I thought of him as a gay character, but not in a closeted sense at all. But anyway. That, and that, that, I, I instantly read him. I was like, cool, a gay dude. But I like yeah. don't know if that's like, you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but I, I liked him a whole ton. Uh, the th- I think the only thing that really, like, in hindsight was not, like, my favorite was this whole, like, mercenary company politics. That, to me, was just kind of, like, there. And, again, sort of, I've done that before with, like, the Greyhounds. And I was like, oh, whatever. But, like, that wasn't a huge part of it. It didn't, like, take away anything. But I also was not, like, blown away by that storyline. Agreed. That was probably the thing I was least invested in. What is up with the Jack? The Jack are in this book? And I they're bet- in the in the book in a major way. I would, if you would have guessed, if you would, if you would have asked me what was going to be on the follow-up, would I be like, well, the Jack are going to play a major Obviously, the, the Soul Taken, or not Soul Taken, the, uh, the Ivers, the Jack. Yeah. yeah. No, so good. And the, I obviously like the leader. I'm forgetting names at this point. The leader, I think, is really, I like a lot. And then his dweeby brother, Hilarious. Gower and Nilgan. 
Nilgen just like I laughed out loud at him so many times where he's like, of oh, course you right. didn't do that because you wouldn't be as good as me, but I'll believe you for like that's that shit I just cracked at literally laughed out loud as I was reading it. So that worked perfectly for me. Yeah, I, I think they're both great. I think the the war bitch stuff, I don't like that name. I it's just like too eye rolling. Yeah, I couldn't me. get over it. I could, couldn't swallow it, but I, I think that's fun, and I think that's a fun part of this book, and it obviously I think is going to continue in a way, you know. Um, but Jack stuff, what's uh, you know, just what it's what it was, what it was. Yeah, no, I I love it, and it's and it goes back to that sort of like nature fighting back that we kind of got at the end of Crippled God with the with the wolves. But I think this is done in a, a more coherent way that I really liked with Jack and the Tablor. But uh, yeah, I really loved it. And then, you know, the end with the water just bursting forth and kind of fucking everything up like it's unexpected, but great. Awesome, um, awesome but also chilling scene. Yes, um, absolutely. And it's like, again, I guess people aren't listening to this back and back. It's because we're talking about Bone Hunters and this back to back to back. And we mentioned in that one that like there's sort of a in lots of books, there's like a twist at the end. And that's definitely the twist here where you're like, you're building up and there's this, there's going to be this big battle. There's going to be this big battle. Sure. And then sure. all of a sudden, it's just like, no, this bigger thing that you forgot about is just the thing. Like, that's what's going to happen. You can't stand against the water that's coming, which I think is great. Oh, and that reminds me, sorry, I'm kind of going all over the place at Please. this point. First time, I think, in like a single work, that Erickson does a time jump, uh, yeah. which I thought was very interesting and a little jarring, but I think it worked. Yeah, it, it struck me as fine, which reminds me of another thing. And sorry, we're just, honestly, we only have so much time to record this episode. So I feel like both of us are just scrambling together. Just machine gunning everything we can talk just about. Every opinion we can possibly fit, <laughs> but not super detailed. Um, yeah, exactly. But no, I agree. I don't... I, I think it is a first time jump. I mean, there's a flashback to Seven Cities, but that's not like a time jump proper in the in Book of the Fallen. But but anyway, yeah, the only thing is like Midnight Tides. Obviously, the whole book happens before, but like nothing. Yeah, that's that's just like a book's taking place in a different time, not like during the actual like narrative storytelling. So let me tell you. Let me ask you this: Am I out of my mind? Is is the word "fuck" in Book of the Fallen at all? Oh yes, I believe. Yeah. Is right? it? I, I don't. I don't have a great memory of it, but for some reason, it really stood out to me because I feel like <laughs> "fuck" is in this book a ton. Like "fucking fucking die" is like there's just so much "fuck" in this story. Um, Interesting. It's in the. Well, it's been the main book, right? I mean, you've read it more recently than me, so maybe not. That's part. Part of me think I'm like it has to be in the main book, but also it doesn't have a memory in me, or maybe it's like Steve just wanted to use it more so it's more in this story i i, I don't know but it, it it definitely stood out to me as a as a new element to this story that does also remind me of another machine gun opinion uh they do have a lot of really fun new swears and those oh, are yeah. fan privacy because it's like i think they say iskar's balls at some time i think it's iskar's like, prick or something yeah like there's definitely some fun and i think that's a good way to do fan service because like of course, there'd be some new curses because there's new gods, but like it's also characters we know, and it's like, oh yeah, Whiskey Jack's penis, great. It's it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. I like and that. It's, I, I just I, I was just so happy with a lot of the background world building. I think a lot yeah. of it's really fun. It's just fun. It's just fun stuff to learn, you know. And the Emperor is Malak Rel, right? Yeah. You yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any reason to believe it's someone else, but who knows? I guess for sure. And. uh so just to kind of wrap things up here, pushing towards the end, I know it's a book and we're, we're really trying to squeeze a lot here in a little bit of time, but <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we'll make another podcast or 
Iskar Jared put some stuff out. I don't know. I hope uh, we can talk on the Discord. But what I was going to say is to touch on a few of the themes of the book, you know? Um, and you mentioned it before, and uh, it's uh, like refugees mm-hmm. are a big part of the series and not always a big part of the series, but in Dust of Dreams, of course, all of a sudden it's like, we're going to talk about refugees right now. Yeah. And like, I don't think, pe- I don't think people love that part of the main series generally. People, but, people aren't a fan of the snake in Dust of Dreams. People are not, not everyone's favorite part, not everyone's favorite part, but but I think it's interesting here and obviously immensely topical. I mean, to talk about every day I wake up afraid of climate change. And, you know, over the next 30 years, over a billion people are going to be displaced because of climate change. You know, large parts of the earth will become unlivable, uninhabitable, and unable to grow crops. You know, it is going to be a major problem. And how we deal with these refugees will be a major political issue for, for the rest of for the, for, the, for the foreseeable future, you know? So for this to be tackled dead on in the book, and it, it starts off. I mean, it starts with that scene of Dallas and the other Tebler discussing what to do and introducing the idea that, these, that this flood's coming. It was really powerful for me. And it's something I think about all the time. I mentioned I, I'm filled with existential dread about climate change. And I don't know. I, I wonder what. To, so to me, that was one of the biggest. I mean, I enjoyed other parts of the book. I have other thoughts. We're just rushing through them. I wonder what other themes you walked away thinking about or if you were so struck by this climate refugee thing as I was. So, yeah, I think the two major thing walking away from it is the refugeeism. And I did it. Obviously, there's a very clear parallel to climate change. Very, very obviously clear. It's, with- al- it's almost text. Yeah, with, with with the huge ice melting. I mean, the only difference, obviously, is at this time it's the jagged blah blah blah, whatever. Um, instead of gases, CO two blah blah. Um, the but I kept thinking about how political refugees and even like immigration, we have failed the tests so horrifically. I mean, again, I'm always uh, confined to my particular space, which is a in the United States. A big thing is like immigration from the South and uh, from Mexico and Latin America, people coming and our country not being, for the most part, very accepting of them, despite their coming from very difficult situations um, and seeking things in like very good hearted ways. Just like, you know, there's that whole discussion of like, well, why didn't you just come to the empire and ask for, you know, places and for us to give you clemency? And it's like, well, we didn't think you would and you would probably not let us. Anyway, I'm kind of rambling here, but like, that's really what I thought of is like, there, I always think about this when I, when I'm reading Malaz and like, there are people who are reading this that are not, that are still really against, you know, accepting Syrian refugees from the, the disastrous wars over there. And yet it's quite clear in this, that's like Erickson saying like, no, these people have nowhere to go. Like it's our duty to care for them. I think that's really, like you said, I think that's a really great theme. And then the thing that I came away also really thinking of, I mentioned right at the outset, is uh, addiction in its many different forms, whether alcohol, drugs, you know, hard recreational drugs or medical drug dependency, like opioid epidemic, all of this stuff. Not just that, like, we need to care for those people, but like those people themselves having the courage to try to face that in like really helpless situations. I mean, it's hard to battle your mind. Showing them as being virtuous for fighting that, I think, was such a cool storyline that is not 
told enough. I really agree. And I think it's what's powerful about that storyline. How is it's, it's defining strength as like, uh, I was listening to that conversation Iskar put up and I forget who said it. They talked about how they defined her strength as her ability to fight against addiction, you know, which I think mm-hmm. is a powerful thing. And to tackle that storyline, I think it's a, a good, another good thing to put in this book. And by the way, those two themes together, like, is the problem of homelessness in first world countries, right? Primarily, it's it's usually some form of mental illness and our inability to show compassion on refugees or people who have been put in horrible circumstances because of things outside their control. These are questions of, like, victims and innocence and our ability to help them, you know, and yeah, it's interesting stuff. We're running up against the clock here, but I will say uh, I was uh, mostly walked away feeling great about the book. Um, I was mildly frustrated by some of the stuff we learn about blood oil and Tebler society. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of conversation around House of Chains and uh, Carsa and, you know, these rapes and what that means for him as a character, what that means for the Tebler. And whilst this book really dives into... Some issues around sexual assault, including, of course, the abuse of rant. Uh, I felt like when we learned more about the blood oil and Tevlor society, I think I walked away feeling pretty frustrated about that whole situation. And uh, I wonder if we're going to learn more about it in other books. But I just would have had to note a feeling of frustration on my half. So, yeah. But um, I mostly feel pretty good about the book. And uh, I, uh, I wonder, and looking forward... If you, uh, where do you think the rest of this trilogy is going? Ooh, that's a tough question. I mean, so <clears throat> the easy answer is Darujistan, right? But I, I do think maybe to be a little bit more uh, ballsy, I think we are going, this is leading up to a confrontation between Rant uh, and Karsa. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a physical violent confrontation, but I think there is going to be like, that is going to be the the personification of the the dealing with the past, and I think that could go one of two ways. I think Carsa could handle that well or not well, and I think that will be sort of the crux upon which this turns. If he handles it well, it's going to be a very different series in how it ends. If he handles it poorly, I think it's going to be very interesting. That I think the reader is going to be more inclined to go, even though we have this strong history with Carsa. I think the way Rant has been built up. I think we would be primed to to go against Carson. I think that'd be a very interesting turn to actually have him turn into a villain in the end. But I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Carson is introduced. Um, uh, as I said, I really think the book, I mean, it's all about examining the consequences of his actions, you know? So I think how he is willing to take accountability or reckon with them is, is a crucial question this. Here's what I will say. I hadn't even considered it. Then uh, yesterday I heard uh, Neil Frog offer his hot take at the series. Um, I think uh, Calor said as well that the series is going to go to Letharis or Seven Cities and that we're going to go to different continents. This was their hot take that we're going all over the place. Hmm. the different consequences of Carsa's actions. I don't know. Like the uh, next one opens up in Seven Cities kind of thing? Yeah, maybe something like that, or Letharis. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, part of me feels like we're going to stay on Genabacus, you know? It'll I be hope not. To see. That's an interesting take. I, I could see Steve doing that. Steve, I haven't talked to him like you, so maybe I should still say Erickson. But um, 
I wish I want him to keep with this focus take that he has done in this first one, which is kind of what I got from the narrative. I hope that's how it keeps going. I agree. I, I really hope we follow almost directly where we started off, especially yeah. since I feel like the book leaves us in a pretty interesting place. And, and I think it does puts us in a, those characters positions. So, well, yeah, I kind of want to follow up on that. And if we cut away and next book starts on seven cities with Joe Schmo, a new character, Part of me would be a little disheartened. Yeah. I would, yeah. I think you'd probably pull it off and it'd be like fine in the end, but I would be a little disappointed by that. Yeah, for sure. But listen, I will say maybe in close... Oh, go ahead. Close close away, close away. I was going to say in closing, I think one of the coolest things about like this whole book is like it's the first time that I have been like... There's been, for me, I mean, this might not be true, but like it feels like a new book drop. Like everyone has their theories. Like, like the Melazin community has grown so much over the pandemic that like, I don't know, it feels very different and fun, like book drop. Does that make sense? Like a lot of different fandoms get excited about a new book coming out. And it never really felt like that way to Malazan until like this time we had enough like YouTube channels or Discord servers or whatever, where like, it felt like there was a lot of people excited about this book. And so I want to keep that momentum going and tell people, please pre-order it, buy it, because that makes a huge deal with the publisher so we can keep this kind of energy going. Uh, cause I think it's been really, really fun to like, as you said, like go on YouTube and see what people think of the God is not willing and listen to a podcast about it. You know, like, I love that. Yeah. I mean, uh, if, if people buy the book, I think they're going to enjoy it. You know, I think, um, yeah, I, I think we both feel that way. I think we both enjoyed our reads of it. So, and, uh, it is funny, especially since here on 10 very big books, we spend so much time rereading the book of the fallen and certainly in the Malazan community, I think most of the, a lot of the conversation gets situated around first read-throughs, I feel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, our show's situated around that, you know. But um, it's, I think it is really exciting to have the attention drawn away from that and to talk about a, a, to- a wholly new book. So, 100%. So, well, listen, I, obviously we could have talked longer, but... We just had a lot to fit in. We only had like 40 minutes, mostly because we went over long, talked about bone hunters. We were having a great time. Yeah. Um, but listen, Andy, thanks for coming on again. And thanks for having another, making another show with me. Yeah, absolutely. This was delightful. And uh, keep going with the podcast. All right. Thanks so much. And uh, Andy Smith's on YouTube. I don't know. It's in the description. We. I, I don't know where this is going. <laughs> Podcasts. All right. Fine, whatever. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. See you.